This is episode 304 with 246 Marathoner, host of the Run, Eat, Sleep, Repeat podcast, and a man who's taking the running world by storm, Tommy Runs. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the goal of this show, strengthrunning.com, and our YouTube channel is to help you better understand the process of improvement. Because when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. If you're new here, welcome. I'm the head coach of Strength Running, formerly a 239 marathoner, and I'm the author of the new Performance Training Journal, which you can now see on Amazon. On this podcast, I share my insights on the sport and speak with the world's smartest subject matter experts to help you improve. I'm happy to connect anytime, so feel free to email me or you can send me a message on Instagram or YouTube. Before we dive in, I do want to thank our partners who support the show. They're offering you some great discounts, which I hope you'll take advantage of. And both of these companies I use on a nearly daily basis. First is Drink LMNT a delicious, sugar-free, high-sodium electrolyte mix. It's perfect for endurance runners who are sweating a lot, drinking a lot of water, and because of that, can be susceptible to imbalances. My favorite flavor is watermelon salt, but citrus salt is also a banger. You didn't hear it from me, but these can also be used to make a very tasty, sugar-free margarita or the next morning to help you feel better if you've had too many of those margaritas. Electrolytes do play a key role in helping you avoid dehydration, dizziness, cramps, and tiredness, especially after long runs or workouts. And Drink LMNT has been used by the military, law enforcement, professional sports teams, and they're the official hydration partner of Team USA Weightlifting. Get your free sample pack with any purchase at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning, and they'll let you try every flavor. That's drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning for your free sample pack. We're also supported by AG1, the best-in-class greens superfood mix. I try to have one serving of AG1 daily because it's my one-stop shop for probiotics, vitamins and minerals, greens, prebiotics, and whole foods-sourced micronutrients. There's also things like ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen that helps you handle stress in a more productive way. AG1 helps support gut health, the immune system, and it provides a nice shot of energy. It's recommended by professional athletes and has over 7,000 positive reviews. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system, and do so conveniently with one scoop of AG1. They're making it easy by giving you a free one year's supply of immune system boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs. All you have to do is visit drinkag1.com slash Jason to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That's drinkag1.com slash Jason to claim your free goodies. All right, my guest today is Tommy Runs. He's only been running since 2018, but has since run half of the World Marathon Majors, earned a 2.46 finish at the 2023 Boston Marathon, and just last fall, he ran three marathons in only 60 days. He's built a massive following on his Instagram and through his podcast, The Run, Eat, Sleep, Repeat Show. He's an influencer, a leader, and his work with brands in the running space 
actually led him to me. (laughs) We actually bumped into each other just two days ago on Global Running Day last week at Scratch Labs Cafe in Boulder, Colorado. He was there for an ASICS event, and I showed up because I like to run. (laughs) We ended up running together, and I got him on the podcast the very next day to talk about his inspiring story. You're going to love his perspective on the sport, the growth that comes from running, what he's learned from sobriety over the last six years, and why representation is important for a runner who works with brands in the space. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Tommy Runs. All right, Tommy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, man, I'm I'm super pumped to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you. And, you know, I've been sort of aware of you and your story for a while now, but we actually bumped into each other just yesterday uh, in person in Boulder, Colorado. And now here we are on the podcast. So it was great seeing you on Global Running Day and sharing a couple miles together. Yeah, it's funny because like we were, when we were running, I kind of barely remembered that it was Global Running Day. So I'm like, I'm happy that I got we got that in and I ran with a really cool group. And I'm really glad I got to you know, finally meet you. Um, obviously, you're a legend in the in the space. So I was happy to kind of share some miles with you. Yeah, it was super fun. We were at Scratch Labs Cafe, which is like a cool coffee shop. It's owned by Scratch Labs. And then, you know, like I was in there and there's like 30 people in there for Global Running Day. And, and you just sort of came up to me and was like, hey, Jason, what's up? And uh, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, because it was like I didn't... Um... I mean, I just didn't, I know it was, they said it was going to be at Scratch Labs, but I guess I just didn't expect like a, a real cafe and like real food and all that. It was really nice. Um, and then I, I thought from what I've followed that group before, like on Instagram, it was a pretty big group for their, you know, their their normal group is much smaller, I guess. Um, so it was a definitely a global running day type thing. And Puma was there for, you know, they had some uh, demos. So I think they, they brought out some extra people. So it was a nice group. Yeah, I think. Someone uh, counted all the runners that were in the big group photo that we took, and there were over 60 people there yesterday. So it was it was pretty cool to see that. Um, now, you actually haven't been a runner for like a really long time, and you just have just this really interesting story, uh, especially over the last couple of years. Can, can you share with us a little bit more about how you first got into running and, and why you started? Yeah. Um, yeah. First got into running in like 2018. Um, and it started, I started running after choosing the sober lifestyle in 2017. So on January 11th or January 10th, I had my last drink, you know, and, uh, January 11th, I started on this like different journey of like trying to figure out who I was in the world and all that. And, um, and somewhere in there, I kind of like started looking in the mirror after a little bit of, you know, week or so or two of sobriety. Um, I wouldn't even call it sobriety. Then it was just like, I just hadn't had a drink in a while, you know? Um, but then I started to see like, I didn't like how I looked and felt, you know? So I'm like, let me hit the gym, got in the gym pretty heavy and was like, used the, all that like alcoholic energy, you know, for like something positive and found out that I really liked fitness and really liked that, this process of like, of like evolution and transformation. Um, and then somewhere in that, like maybe 10, 11 months into sobriety, a, a, a colleague or actually like a client of mine offered and said, hey, you should come to Chicago and run the rock and roll half marathon with my company. We raise money for Move for Hunger. 
It's a charity that like works with a lot of the moving companies in the country to collect the cans and money and all that stuff um, to provide to food pantries. I'm like, sure, I can, I can do that. Like, I'm fit enough. Like, I, I lift all, like six days a week, so I can definitely do that. I do hit workouts like everybody else, and started to run because of that. And the training for the, my first half was very air quotes type of training. It was just like run as much as I could and do it faster and faster every time I got out there if I could, and ended up like hurting myself a little bit, like a the fracture in like one of my metatarsals um, because I had the wrong shoes. So that's like, that's why I like shoes now is because you need the right ones. And um, just everything kind of rolled from there and just kept pushing and liked it and just kind of started to enjoy the process more and more. I love it. Were you an athlete at all before you started this fitness journey? Because, you know, we'll get into this a little bit later, but you have since turned into quite a good runner. And I would just love to know like a little bit about what your background was like before you started lifting weights and starting to train. Well, no, I I um I played a lot of like little like sports in like the neighborhood, I guess, growing up, and we did everything, you know. So like it wasn't just like a normal kid, I guess. Um, you know, depends on who had what, and we were playing baseball to to golf around the, like somebody's house, just random stuff. Um, so I was always moving around, and I played soccer quite a bit, like when I was maybe from maybe six or seven till maybe like twelve, um, and then started to golf, uh, like right around like the early Tiger Woods boom and really liked that. And I actually played golf all the way through, through high school. And I feel like maybe I got a lot of time on feet, you know, and just used to being outside. Maybe that kind of helped with this running thing. But from the end of high school, pretty much all the way till like 33 years old when I was 32, when I stopped drinking, um, I was just, you know, um, pretty inactive. Um, every now and then I would know somebody that was at the gym or going to the gym a lot. And I would like tag along with them a little bit, but it was like that battle kind of that, that battle with alcoholism that always had me, you know, that was more of the priority. Um, even when it was like less of a problem, it was always kind of in there and it was like, you know, I, I would go, but you know, can't go, you know, you know, you're not, you don't go out and drink. And then the next day you're just like raring to go to the gym and lift weights or run or something. So, um, it really took me to like pull that habit out of my life to even see what the possibility was like in a physical or mental sense, like after that. Well, thanks for sharing that. I think, you know, you're, you're definitely right. It's, it's hard to, to train and run consistently when you're dealing with an addiction like that. But I think me and the rest of the running community is glad you've made the decisions you have because you do contribute so much to to runners and the running community in general. I think it's also hilarious that you were a golfer because if I didn't go out for the cross country team as a freshman in high school, I was almost going to go out for the golf team. So like in an alternate timeline, I could have been interviewing you about golf on like the strength golf podcast, <laughs> man, dude, don't say that too loud. Cause the next thing you know, there'll be a strength, the strength golf podcast. And then you'll, you know, buy the website now buy the strength, strength golf, strength golf.com right now. And maybe <laughs> you'll be able to sell it to somebody soon. Um, yeah, no, it, it's crazy. Like how stuff works out. Like, I mean, I, started running, you know, just not too long ago, like you said, like in 2018. So it's really been maybe five years or so. Um, and from, I'm not saying I'm good at it or anything like that. Like I'm not, you know, competitive, you know, really, but 
I just kind of like think about like, dang, like maybe I, maybe, maybe I should have, could have, could or should have been doing this. But then that would like, you know, undermine like all the things that happen, good and bad to get to this point. Cause, you know, in this alternate universe of maybe me starting to run sooner, maybe I'd be burnt out by now and not on the strength running podcast, you know? Yeah. All, all roads lead to here, right? Yeah. All roads lead to the strength running podcast. Is that the slogan <laughs> for the show? Um, yeah, this, this is really interesting to me, man. I, I think I'm really interested in hearing more about, you know, once you got healthy from that metatarsal stress fracture that it sounded like you had, uh, I think I would like to know, like, what did your training look like once you were healthy and not just trying to run as much as you can and run as fast as you can? Because, you know, you have since run a 246 marathon and, and you did that in only like maybe four ish years of training. And I'd love to know a little more about, you know, how did you start training in such a way to have this kind of progress? Uh, well, I like, so I started in 18 and then, um, I ran, uh, I, I can't remember what I ran that the end of that year. Like I ran the, um, summer as a couple five K's or something like that. And then I ran a 25 K trail race in January in Michigan. Um, and I forgot the time of it. It was like, you know, 15 and a half miles. I forgot the time, but it wasn't like what I thought it could be. Cause I was used to like running on the road at that point. And I hadn't even been running a year yet. So it was like, um, kind of a shock to like, dang, like I was much slower than I wanted to. But then at the same time, I think my sister was like, I think I was driving back cause it was like two hours away. She's like, yo, you could like, you could qualify for Boston. I'm like, there's, I don't even, number one, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't even know what qualifying for Boston would take. But then yeah, I had lived in Boston or she, and I think at the time she might've actually still been there. Um, oh no, she was already gone, but I lived for, lived in Massachusetts from 2017 to 2014. Um, so I was living in the area, like I was maybe 40 minutes away when the Boston bombings happened. And I remember like, you know, watching it on TV, seeing it unfold, um, seeing the city, like, you know, look, you know, the, the manhunt and all that stuff. And then seeing the city like rally the next year and like defy all the odds and do the race anyway. And like how much that meant to like the city, the, the state, the the region, you know, New England as a whole, and then the country. So it was just like such an epic thing. And when she said it, I like immediately was like, yeah, I don't know what that means, but you know, she's like, I'll do the research. I'll figure out what you need to do. And so she gets back to me like really quick. And she's like, you got to run. I think she said, I think at the time I might've been, you, you got to run 305 or three or 305 or whatever my age was at the time. And I'm like, she's like, I think you can do that with some training. So it took me a while to like wrap my mind around that. And then like July or so, um, June or July in 2019, I was like, yeah, I want to do it. I had got referred to Luke Humphrey because um, he has like their running group. And I got referred to him because a, a lady that I was running with ran ultras. And one of the guys on his on Luke's team coached her. She was like, well, they wouldn't give you my coach because he's an ultra guy, but maybe there's a coach for you. So I told Luke, you know, in the email, all my goals and I want to qualify, qualify for Boston never ran a marathon before only ran one half in this 25 K and he probably thought I was an, a maniac. Um, but then he, re he referred me to Mel Melissa Johnson white, who's one of his, um, on his team in July. I talked to her for the first time. I said, I wanted to qualify for Boston. I said, I'm willing to run a marathon. 
Um, and, you know, like as a tester, you know, cause I didn't think, I didn't believe that I would be like trying for my first marathon, you know, to go try to qualify. But she's, so she's like, well, we can do this. We'll, we'll shoot for based on your times in the five K's, we could probably work you down to a three fifteen, maybe. Um, and then if you can do a three fifteen, maybe you could qualify, you could run a spring marathon the following year, 20, 2020, um, and then qualify for Boston there. So I ran a 313.30. So I got the 3.15 goal time. And then COVID happened. So I wasn't able to like go ahead and try to like qualify for, for Boston. But it was like, I, I all that to say, like I made a decision, a, a pretty steep decision or a pretty big goal right away to like, I knew that I couldn't play around much if I wanted to qualify by 2021. I needed to like really sign on to it. I needed to get a plan. So almost right away in my journey, within a year, I was already like fully, like I had hired a coach and was ready to like try to progress. And it was all for like the, the Boston thing. It wasn't like this big, long goal of like maybe one day, 246. It was just like, I just want to qualify for Boston. I want to go back to Boston. I want to run the race. Um, and so like immediately I had less, you know, after two years, I had, you know, half time kind of playing around a little bit and then half like serious training with where it was five to six days a week, you know, and she did a really great job at like ramping me up. Like I, I saw everybody else doing 50, 60, 70, 80 miles a week. Um, people that I don't know, obviously on Instagram. Um, but I saw them and I'm like, and I kind of kept hinting at like, should I be doing more miles? Should I be doing more miles? You know? And she's like, no, let's just, we'll, we'll you know, we're not gonna try to get, put the cart before the horse or whatever. Um, and we slowly ramped up. And it took so long to get to like where I'm at now. It's like literally took four years, five years to get to where I'm at now, where, where mileage feels comfortable. But, you know, I think I went at that my first time I qualified for Boston, I ran 248 and 248.43. And I was only at maybe 50 miles a week at the time um, as, as a max. Um, but that's just the progression. It took me, you know, a year and a half to get there. So really just patience and like dedication and and here we are. Here you are, man. That's an amazing story. Uh, you're really giving a lot of credence to the idea that if you want to progress and if you want to progress fairly rapidly, a coach is a good idea. And it sounds like you have an amazing coach who is very strategic and thoughtful about your progression and and getting you to some relatively high mileage numbers, but but not right away. And, and I love that gradual approach because I think everyone thinks that, you know, oh, three years, four years, like this is a lot of time. It's actually not that much time. And going from someone who can run like 30 miles a week to someone who can run 70 miles a week does take, you know, a couple year approach. And one of the things that a lot of people don't get is that even if it takes you a couple years to get to that mileage level, you're still going to be improving all of your races during that process, right? It's not like you have to wait a couple years to see the fruit of your labor, right? Like it's going to ha- start happening and and keep snowballing over time, which is just one of the really exciting parts about running. It's that progress, it's that improvement. I think something you experience very early on in your running careers, it's one of the most exciting parts of the sport. It's like, man, I put the work in, I get these results and it's just so rewarding. Yeah, I mean, cuz it was that, and that's why, like, I think I, I tr- was so attracted to running. And then you, see, I think you see a lot of people in recovery, um, you know, kind of gravitate towards uh, endurance. 
um, because it's just it's such a it's so physical um, and it's it's like a reminder of that like one day at a time you know um, phrase that like you know that I first really heard more of like in the in the in my sobriety walk um, but just that like really just being patient and being where you are being where your feet are being the, in the mile that you're in you know one mile at a time one rep at a time all that stuff and it just showed me in like a physical sense of what really being like strategic and thoughtful and patient each day can do if you have a plan and you add up to it. Um, because like when I first walked into like the rooms, like the, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, when people would tell me they had like, you know, a year of sobriety or 20, you know, it was just like either one of those numbers baffled me because I was like so new to it. And I'm like, there's no way, like, I don't understand how you even get that far. But it, they would tell me like one day at a time for somebody that's been doing it for 20 years to tell you one day at a time. It's like, okay, come on, bro. You know, like, but then once you really think of it, like he wouldn't be there or she wouldn't be there where they are without all those days adding up and running just kind of reminded me of that, like that patience. Because if I worried so much about like getting to this random mileage point or whatever in like defying the coach or saying, no, forget it. You're not, you're not, progressing me fast enough to like this thing that I think I need to be at, you know, I could be hurt more than I, because I definitely had some injuries, but I could be hurt more than I already, you know, than I have been or before. And it could be worse. Um, and, or in the running just could, I could be tired of it by now because I just, I put, I got ahead of myself. So running in life is just so much patience and um, just being where you are and being present. It's amazing the parallels that running has with so many other things, whether it's, the journey to stay sober, maybe it's the journey to build a business or, you know, parenting, you know, a lot of things in life are like a day at a time, just be patient. And, you know, the old phrase that the days are long, but the years are short is I think very, very true for running where, yeah, every run might feel long or, you know, your training sessions might be a little boring or difficult. You know, we don't always have amazing runs every single day. But with that said, if you are consistent and progress somewhat intelligently, you are going to progress so quickly from like a long-term perspective that I think it's, it's so worth it. Um, Tommy, I'd love to know a little bit more about like, when did you start to realize, Hey, I'm actually not half bad at this running thing. Cause it sounds like your second marathon was 248. What, what, were you like somewhere in the middle of that training cycle thinking to yourself, I'm not just going to qualify for Boston. I'm going to get like a BQ minus 15 minutes. Well, yeah. Like I, cause I don't know like when it happened or whatever, but so after the, the, cause I ran the two, that, that three thirteen thirty in October, 2019 at the Detroit free press, anybody that's like looking for an October race, definitely come out to Detroit. Cause it's really dope. You go over to Canada. It's a great time. Um, but we like after that, I took a little bit of time off, started slowly training because the the goal was to run in April, um, in twenty twenty one in twenty twenty to qualify for twenty twenty one Boston, and just that time off and like getting back to running and slowly working up and doing like a, a you know like that base camp that you were talking about in your on your uh, Instagram, but like at, we kind of like were building that base. Without me even knowing that she just wanted to keep me running, I didn't really realize she was like trying to set me up to like start a really decent training block in January. But by the time we started in January in 2020, 
I was already like knowing that I was going after 254 almost automatically. It was like, it wasn't even like a, okay, let's get you to try to hit you right at three. Like I was automatically at, I think whatever the 642 pace or something like that. Um, whatever, like I think 254 is. And I felt so fit and, and comfortable with that for some reason. And in there, I was like, I, I never looked at it like I'm fast in comparison to, or I'm good at this. It was just what I was doing. Um, and I tried not to, like, I try not to get into that now. Like people say that I'm, I mean, I know that I'm not fast. Like I'm maybe faster than some, but there's, there's people that are running like 209 marathons, like, like it's nothing. Um, so like there's, there's definitely for some perspective in there, but, um, I just really, I realized I liked it. I realized I liked pushing myself and I liked like striving for that because like, not to like always tie it back to life, but for so long, I didn't think that I was that type of person that could or would strive for something really. Cause I just, I spent so much of my life kind of throwing it away a little bit. And so to, to learn that I am like a, through running and through sobriety to learn that I am a person that like can set a goal and like go after it in a very aggressive way and almost put blinders on and say, forget all the signs and just follow my plan and keep going. It was just so big to me. And I just latched onto it and allowed that to build me as a person, build me as a runner. Um, but I never looked at it like, you know, I'm, I'm good. It's like, I just know I liked the, I like the feeling of of just grinding through a workout. You know, I like the feeling of trying to talk myself into like just stay at the pace you're at. You don't need to speed up. Or I like the long run where it's like I just want to be done. I still got six more miles. You know, I just like that whole concept of convincing myself sometimes to do it or pat myself on the back at the end once I got through something that I thought that I didn't really want to do. Yeah, it's it's so cool to hear that you sort of enjoy the whole process of training and, and you're right. I mean, running really does prepare you for, for so many other things in life. And, uh, it, it's also awesome to hear that your, your current coach really embraced that whole concept that I feel like I've been talking about a lot recently is this, this idea of the season before the season. Like if you want to have a very good marathon, the, the 16 week training block leading up to your marathon can't be the only thing that really leads to your success. Like you really need that base phase of training to really get you to another volume level, you know, to build your sort of foundational fitness before you get into the more specific marathon stuff. And it sounds like you had just a really good base heading into your marathon training. Uh, so that's probably a really good lesson for our listeners is if you want to have a breakthrough in any race, I don't think it's true just for the marathon the season before the season is a really great idea to focus on just making sure that running is more like a lifestyle. You're doing it consistently. You're not just giving yourself to a race for 12 weeks, 16 weeks, because after all, only so much progress can happen over that kind of a time period. Uh, and Tommy, one of the things that you have done that I find incredibly inspiring is that you ran three major marathons in 60 days which is admittedly not something as a coach that I would necessarily <laughs> recommend for every runner to do. But uh, tell us a little bit more about like why you got into this. Yeah. So like, yeah, but well, can I just talk about something really quick? It's like a side note, the way you're talking season for the season. Of course. So it didn't like, so everything 
didn't work out like the way that I thought. Like I, because of COVID, um, did wasn't able to run that race in in April two, uh, 2020. So then instead of like being smart and like maybe taking a little time off because I had trained for a whole training block, I just kept running, ran through all the way through the summer, was trying to increase mileage, you know, trying to be patient and ended up getting a stress fracture in my tibia. And it had me out from July 2020 through um, almost November. It was like, yeah, like November because it was like right around Thanksgiving because I ran a turkey trot like as a time trial, um, like a virtual turkey trot. Um, so I was out for four months because of like impatience and trying to push and not like listening to my body and all those things. So like one lesson is like, you know, if you have to listen to your body, you can't just keep pushing. You are not a machine. Um, you have to like listen to the signs and maybe do all the things that like you learn on strength running podcasts about like staying healthy and rehab. But then on the other side of that, there's so many people that like that are hurt like right now and they're out for however long I patiently came back from that stress fracture and that's five months after starting to run again that's when i ran the 248 so it's like you you can do things wrong and get to like a bad point and you're injured and you're mad at yourself but then you can also learn from them very quickly if you just don't forget it because like a lot of times we as runners and people in life in general we have a bad time or we're down and as soon as we're back up we forget all the lessons that we were just telling ourselves, like, I'm never going to do this again, never going to do that again. But we jump right back into it and then we find ourselves in the same position. Um, so just wanted to share that part of it because it sounds like, oh, wow, 313, 248. But there's like a whole year in there where like I had to learn a, a bunch of tough lessons, you know, about running and about life, but then was able to like apply those lessons the next time around. Um, but so sorry for the tangent, but then when it comes to like that three hour, the, the three marathons in three months, like, so I called my coach up and I'm like, Hey, um, got this idea that I want to do because I was really upset because I ran Boston 2021. Wait, what's this year? 2022. Sorry. I ran Boston 2022 and I went into Boston with an injury. So I, like, I was injured four weeks or so before the race. So I had to like cut my miles down to pretty much nothing before to try to like get there somewhat healthy. And having a knee issue on 13 miles of downhill pretty much just didn't work out for me that day. Uh, so by the time I got to like 15 or 16, even before Newton, um, I was just destroyed. Like I was jogging, walking. The uphills were the good part because that's when my knee hurt like the least. Um, so I ended up finishing that race pretty bummed out. Um, but I like wanted to get some type of redemption. And we called it the, like I called it the redemption tour. I'm ridiculous. My friend made shirts. They had my face on it. It said redemption tour, like old school, like hip hop tour vibes. I've seen pictures of the shirt. They're pretty dope. Yeah. 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 They're really dope. The guy who my friend Aaron created them and he just did a really great job. Um, so people were buying them and stuff. And like, I saw people like in, in like these cities with them on, it was really creepy. Um, but so I called her and I had already gotten into, into, into Chicago because of, my, my qualifying time for the, for this, I use the same time to qualify for, um, for uh, Boston. So I, I had that race already there, but Chicago's too late for the next year's Boston qualifier. So I had to throw in Erie, Erie marathon a month before didn't want to not run a world major called Chicago. So I'm like, now I'm doing two marathons, but then I got an offer from new balance that says like, Hey, you, you know, PR project, me and my friends, you, you should come out. Me and my friend, you should come out to run um, the New York City Marathon. 
And I'm like, um, sure. So now we have three marathons. I have said, hey, coach, got this idea. And I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I think I could do it. And so she she built it like a progressive plan. Like it's not necessarily what you want to do. She knew that I needed to, to, to run well in Erie to get to requalify. But the mileage just ramped up. Like, so I barely hit like 50 miles going into Erie. Then I took like uh, three, four days off, ramped back up a little bit, then then tapered a tiny bit, and then ran Chicago as a workout, <laughs> a very long workout. Um, and then the goal was to go after New York as the big goal, the big A, uh, a race. But it's like 70,000 degrees last year in New York. So it didn't end up being the best race ever, but they all ended up being under sub three. That is just amazing. Three sub three marathons in 60 days. Um, what made you decide to take the last marathon as kind of the <laughs> hard one? Because, you know, from my perspective, I'm like, man, you probably were feeling a little bit beat up, fatigued, even when you're standing on the starting line over there in New York City. No, I, to be honest, I felt, to be honest, I felt really, I actually felt pretty good about it. I, it was kind of as odd, but I think the heat was a big, big factor um, of why I didn't run the way I wanted to. I think I ran really well for the day. I think, I think I did 258. Um, and I was proud of like the effort because of the two, like, I mean, I just did two marathons, you know, some, re, you know, recently before that. So I was like happy with it, but I think I picked it because it just, sounded like the finale of the thing and if i had could do it again i would have had chicago be the a race um and then like just kind of had more fun in new york um but i didn't know it was going to be that that hot but then it's also a hilly course i didn't really put a bunch of thought into it to be honest jason i I can't (laughs) i just thought it would be like great to like that be like the last stop of the tour you know yeah it was very it was very vain let's just say that yeah, it's the grand finale. I get it. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, who has a grand finale and then has another show after? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, that's fun. Uh, so what did your recovery look like after the second race when you ran Erie? So the first race was Erie. Oh, uh, first race, race was Erie. Chicago. Yep. So it was it was it was pretty like um I, I mean, I, I think I took maybe Monday, I think I started running again maybe Thursday or Friday of the following week. So it was just foam rolling and trying to like stay somewhat loose and i wasn't like super sore because i i was very i think i was very fit at that moment and i didn't use a bunch of it um even though it's still 26.2 miles so i was definitely a little bit little banged up but it was a really flat course so it just it provided me with the ability to like kind of get back running fairly quickly so I, i took three four days off started running again um but the, it was just a bunch of foam rolling, trying to get as much sleep as possible, trying to, you know, eat correctly to help with inflammation, all that stuff. Um, and then just got right back into some easy runs like the next Friday and then Saturday and then back to like a full schedule the following week after that. That's so impressive. I think it's it's really hard for a runner like me to imagine doing that because every marathon I've run has really beat my body up. Like it's, I I don't think it's something my body really likes doing because after every race, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to not just like take care of myself so that I'm no longer sore, but I need to do some prehab so I don't re-injure myself because I'm, I'm 
something is going on with my body that is just rebelling against my decision to, uh, to run a marathon. And so you had this like great redemption tour. I I think it's, it's so great to see you go sub three for all these marathons. And I think a big part of this is just like your drive. Like you fell in love with the sport and you're just so interested in it. Like that passion is really carrying you through all the hard training and all these big races. Uh, and then you ended up running Boston 2023 just a couple months ago. And that's where you actually ran your all-time PR, right? Yeah. Wow. So you've run pretty fast on all difficult courses. It sounds like you haven't really raced any flat and fast courses, huh? It's, it doesn't, doesn't seem like it. <laughs> so like, I don't know what it is. So my PR for the 5K is now on a hilly course. My PR for the half, <laughs> the PR for my PR for the half, um, we we ran uh, the Savannah uh, Rock and Roll Half Marathon in 2021, and it was the year that they canceled the full marathon one hour before the race because it was uh, what was it called Tropical Storm? Um, what's that lady? That comedian's name? Oh, dang it, I can't remember her name now. Um, but it was the, it was her name, right? But it was a tropical storm. It was 30 like three degrees or something. And it was like raining, windy, wind gusts up like 20 miles an hour that day. They canceled the, the, the marathon because they thought it was too uh, dangerous for people to be out there for an extended period of time. So they canceled the marathon one hour before the race. Um, and then they had us stand in there for like 40 minutes before they started the race because they were trying to clear the streets or something. Um, people were so people were so upset, bro. Like it was ridiculous. Like 40 minutes standing in the corrals, like waiting to go. Uh, getting rained on, but that's where my PR for the half is. So like, I don't necessarily do well, apparently like in normal races, or I just don't sign up for them. I don't know what it is. I think I need an agent just for like signing up of races. Like, let's pick you a good race, bro. Yeah. Let's choose a flat and fast course. You'd probably run pretty quick on a really fast course. So it's just exciting to, to hear about, not only like your progress, but the rate of progress. And also the fact that you're doing it on courses like the Boston marathon, you know, you ran sub three on the New York city course, you know, that was my first marathon. And I ran that way back in 2008. That is a difficult marathon course. You know, anyone who runs a PR or fairly quick at New York is, is a strong runner for sure. Um, so yeah, when you get you on like a Chicago or a Berlin course so that you can just fly. Yeah. I'd love to, I, cause I did Chicago, but I did it as like, like a workout. Like, so I was like the first 10 miles I ran, she had me run 10 miles at like a certain pace. And then the next 10 miles at this next lower pace. And then whatever I had left in like the, the last 10 K, you know, so it was definitely a progressive run. Um, and afterwards I'm like, dang, I really should have gone after it today, you know? Um, but Berlin would be great. Like I'd love to, I'd love to, I'll just tell him one of my friends is going to Berlin. He raised money for St. Jude. Um, and, uh, I'm like, dang, I wish I could run because like, that would be a course where I feel like I'd, I'd try to to leave it all out there, you know? Yeah. And it sounds like you have at least three of the six world marathon majors already at this point. Yeah. 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 You're halfway there, man. Man, I know. I just got to get overseas now, you know? Yeah. You need Tokyo, Berlin, London. London's a fast course. You could you could get a good time there, I think. Yeah, I, I just I want to do all of them. Um get that 6 star and whatever they add like when they add the 7th, I'll, you know, do that too. I I I 
I, I really just like I like the marathon. Like I don't I don't necessarily like, I wouldn't say love it, but I just love I just like the fact that it's just so it's so daunting. Like it's just this huge undertaking, and I love that. Like no matter how fit you are, for the most part, and I'm maybe unless you're like Elliot Kipchoge or something, there's no you don't really know. Like you, like, I can feel like I'm going to do well today. Um, I've trained. I've done all the things that I can do. I followed the plan. I did. I ate well. I slept well. All that stuff. I just love the fact that there's still. It's still life, though. You still like. You still just don't know. You know, like you. It could be a GI issue or some silly stuff. You know, that could just throw it all. <laughs> it makes it feel like it's all for nothing. But it's just such a um, like it's exhilarating to like stand on the start line of a marathon, knowing that you're going to be out there for some hours, and you're just going to give it everything you have. You know. Like, it's just such a weird thing. You know, like a 5K, it's like intimidating because it's like, you know, like, oh, God, this is about to be crazy. But, it, you know, it's it's only 18, you know, how many ever minutes, you know what I mean? It's like you just, it's less, it's a short period of time compared to a marathon, you know? Um, but the marathon is just so tricky, man. So tricky. You're getting me really excited to line up on the starting line of a race right now. Yeah, like you said, it's exhilarating. And I, and I think that that aspect of uncertainty is one of the things that makes running so exciting because it's not preordained. Even if you have the perfect buildup, the perfect sleep diet, you know, you do all the little things that I'm always talking about. The marathon is such a difficult race that it's all still up in the air, even if everything has gone perfectly. And some people might not like that, but I think it's exciting. I think it it just it switches things up a little bit. You know, you're lining up on the starting line and you just don't know what's going to happen. And some people may not like that. I absolutely love it. And I love that, like, no matter what you do, like, even if like, so as soon as I finish Boston, like it's a PR. And as soon as I'm done, though, like, I'm like, OK, I can do better. <laughs> like, it's not even. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I can do better than that. You know, like, cause I remember like vividly, like where I think I went wrong and, and what I could do next time. And that's really cool to me, you know, like I, you know, it, cause I, maybe it's just, just some of us are just like that where we just want to like find a new challenge within the thing that we just did well at or something. But like, I just feel like I, I, I just covering for like lo- lo- lost time, maybe, you know, from just not living up to whatever potential maybe I had or have. And now I get the opportunity to do that. And running is just like that quick reminder that like, no matter what you do, you can always, you can always kind of readjust what, you know, if you, if you bomb a marathon, you know, you can readjust and come back stronger the next time. Or if you do your best ever, you know, typically you can find a little like moment, like, Oh, right here is where I maybe went wrong. You want to hear my theory for Boston? Yes, please. Okay. So I, going into the race, I said I had broken into three parts. So I thought Boston was like a three-part course. So one, you know, from start line to like Newton is number one. You just have to like know that it's going to be rolling hills, not all downhill. Be, be prepared for those, you know, other hills. But get through that part healthy because like the knee thing. So I wanted to make sure I got through that. So that's one. Two is the Newton Hills. Three, I thought was from the top of Heartbreak all downhill, nice and pretty, all the way to the finish line. But it's not. So I think where I lost, where I think it's four parts now is from from heart, heart, uh, part three is heartbreak till about like 23. And then it gets a little weird there, like when you start kind of like winding a bit. And 
part four is like that finishing stretch where that would include like the Sitco Hill and then that underpass and then, you know, um, Hereford, you know, like I think you need to be mentally prepared for it to, to, to get harder again, you know, like, cause from heartbreak to a certain point, you feel like, okay, I can, I'm going now and now it's time to race. But if you're not prepared to have to climb a couple little hills again, when your legs are just trash, you could lose. I've, I saw people running well and like lost it right on, right at Sitco, like just couldn't even continue. And if you're not ready and you think you're on the, on the home stretch at mile 21, 22, it could be a rude awakening. So it's four parts in my opinion. Yeah. The Boston course is just so hard for, for all of those reasons, right? Like the course is just challenging in a very unique way with where on the course those hills are placed. And, and it's funny that you mentioned those final hills, like in the last couple miles, especially when you go under that overpass right before you take a right on, on Hereford, because, you know, in 2013, the year of the bombings, I was actually watching the race from that area. And, and then in 2014, I ran the race and it's amazing how much that little uphill after that overpass completely destroys your mindset because you think you're almost done. You think you're done with the Hills. And then this little incline comes out of nowhere and it just slaps you in the face. It's so challenging. And then the finish is like, it's a, it's a, the finish is a, it's an epic finish. Obviously it's Boston, right? But it's so far <laughs> when you turn left on Boylston, it's like, you know, like in those, in the movies when like some, somebody realized they have a long way to go and it like, it zooms away from them. You know what I mean? Like yes, in, in whatever yes. cartoons or movies, like that's what happens when you turn left. You think that, cause there's so many races like Chicago, you turn left and you're done. Like you could trip and fall from that last corner to the finish line, you know, in Chicago. But in Boston, it seems like it's a mile away. Like, cause you're just running. And I was like talking to myself, like you can make it, you know, like I was already there. Like I could see it, but I had to like talk myself into like, don't fall, don't give up. It's right there, you know? Yeah, that Boylston stretch is at least a half a mile, but I think it might be a full kilometer. It's actually way longer than it seems. I think it's like, it's just like 600 meters or something like that. In my mind, it's 600 miles. <laughs> it's it's legit 600 miles in, in, in all honesty. And so, you know what else is a really long stretch is that I thought, I swore, I was telling, I lied to like 70 people. I told, I told them that that turn in, in New York, when you go out of the park and then you turn back up that little hill and you see like the big sign at the end of the road before you turn back into the park. I don't know what street that is, but when you turn right, it's a slide uphill before you get to the point where you go back into the park. I thought that that was like a mile and it's literally a quarter mile long. I was just so out of it by then. I thought I was on that road forever. Oh yeah. The brain certainly plays tricks on you when you're past the 20 mile mark in a marathon. Uh, well, Tommy, this has been really fun. And, and I just, I, I love hearing about your story. I love hearing about the, the trajectory that you're on and also just the velocity of your trajectory, I think is super exciting. So uh, I'm definitely gonna be following along and, and cheering for you when you're lining up next. When is your next race? What are you doing next, buddy? Man, I'm just, I'm doing like this, uh, some, what I'm calling the summer of speed. Um, just having fun, signing up for 5Ks, 10Ks, going to do like the Tracksmith Twilight Series that's here. And, and they're going to have one in Detroit and then one in Ann Arbor. So I'm just looking to get faster and have fun. Um, and then maybe sign up for like a half marathon in September and then see what, see if I, you know, 
if I end up doing like a full in the, at the end of the year, that would be kind of cool too. But my goal is to just do a bunch of 5Ks, 10Ks, have some fun, train real fast, train hard, uh, keep the mileage at like something you know fairly reasonable to do a lot of speed with um, and just keep at the summer speed, man. I love it. And from my coaching perspective, that's what I love to see marathoners do is take some time away from the marathon, focus on getting fast, focus on having fun with that because it's just so different than marathon training. So uh, good luck with it all, man. Where can we follow along and, and hear more about the journey? Uh, just go to Instagram. It's at Tommy Runs, at T-O-M-M-I-E underscore R-U-N-Z. Um, everything's there. You know, I got a podcast too, and you can look, the, the link is all there. And um, I post a lot, you know, I travel a lot for like little things with brands and things like that. So I share the the, the running journey, but then I share also like these new opportunities that, I'm, that I've had an opportunity to be a part of. Um, and I think that's really cool too, because it's, I didn't necessarily see anybody that looked like me on that side of it either. Like not just on the running side, but on the, you know, contenting and, and brand trips and all that. Like this, like the trip, the reason why I was in Colorado was for an ASICS Jail Kyle 30 summit and to, to be there and to be one of the few black folks that is, that was there is just, it's an honor. Um, and, but it's such an honor that I try my best to share that journey with the people that follow me. Um, so it's, it's the page is kind of all over the place. I run a lot, but I also travel quite a bit now. And so it's the complete journey is there. So please just go give me a follow and I'll just keep on uh, sharing the journey. Yeah. Well, we love the journey. The journey is so exciting for us to watch and, and you do a great job with your content, sort of communicating the excitement of the journey, the excitement of what it's like to, to train and, and run some of these races. So it's just super exciting, man. Thanks again for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah. No, but thank you really quick. I just want to say you, you are like a, you're a staple to the running community. Keep doing your thing. Um, we all watch the show and we all like listen, especially lately, like keep up with the, um, the reels with the like little snippets. Cause I use the let Jesus take the wheel method on my last 5k, which I was telling you about. Um, you just come with so much knowledge and education and you do it in a way that doesn't make anybody that's listening feel bad about what they're doing. You do it in a way that makes people want to like, step like rise to a challenge or try something new um and it's cool because like since i have a coach sometimes i hear other people coaching or giving advice and it just makes it feels like it's more of a if you're doing this you're doing it wrong you know and you don't do that and it and it it, it makes it easy for people like myself that are already kind of like definitely knee deep in this running thing um but it also the people that are new um it's it's like you're their coach just because they're listening to your podcast so Thanks so much for what you do for the, for the sport. Oh, I appreciate that, Tommy. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. That's our show, my friends. If you're not yet, make sure you follow the show and subscribe so you're alerted to new episodes. And if you're a fan of the podcast, the best way to show that is to write a review in Apple Music. The second best way is to support our sponsors, the companies who make it possible for me to devote so much time to this show. First, hook yourself up with some free electrolytes. Our sponsor, Drink LMNT, is offering a free gift with your purchase at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. And this does not have to be your first purchase. You'll get a sample pack with every flavor so you can try them all before deciding what you like best. Personally, watermelon is my go-to. Drink LMNT makes electrolytes for athletes and low-carb folks with no sugar, 
artificial ingredients, or colors. I'm now in the habit of giving away boxes of Element at group runs around Denver and Boulder, and everyone loves this stuff. It can also be a really helpful way to prevent dehydration when you're running long. If you sometimes feel overly tired or you get headaches, cramps, or sleeplessness, especially after long runs or workouts, you might have an electrolyte imbalance or a deficiency. Boost your performance and your recovery, especially in the heat, with Element. They're the exclusive hydration partner to Team USA Weightlifting, and quite a few professional baseball, hockey, and basketball teams are on regular subscriptions. Plus, I admittedly like to have some Element if I've had a few adult beverages the night before, and I want my morning to feel a little smoother. Check them out at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to get your free sample pack with your purchase, and you'll get your hydration optimized for the upcoming summer season. I'm also grateful for the support of AG1, the health and wellness company that makes my favorite greens superfood mix. I'm a man of convenience, what can I say? And comprehensive daily nutrition is super simple with AG1. I personally struggle with eating healthy. You know, convenience foods just speak my love language. So I find that AG1 is super helpful to fill in any holes in my diet. And there are holes. One scoop gives me 75 vitamins and minerals and whole food sourced ingredients, including a greens superfood blend, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and more. AG1 helps me fill in any nutrition gaps in my diet because I know I don't eat perfectly, and it gives me a nice boost of energy and focus throughout the day. And I've got three kids under 10 right now, so (laughs) I know I've got to support my immune system because I'm no match for those little kid germs. But what I really love about AG1 is that it changes over time. Over the last decade, they've made over 50 improvements to the formula based on the latest research to make all those nutrients more absorbable and the product more rigorous with the third-party testing that they do. Go to drinkag1.com Jason to see the great offer they've put together for our podcast listeners. You'll get a year's worth of free vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. You can sign up for a single shipment or you can get a monthly drop if you want to make AG1 a part of your regular healthy lifestyle. This is my daily go-to, and I certainly don't travel without it, especially if I know I'm not going to be sleeping as well as I do at home. I want to make sure my body has what it needs to operate well, and AG1 delivers. Go to drinkag1.com Jason to sign up today. All right, that's our show, Runners. Thanks for subscribing and sharing this show with your friends. Support us by using our sponsor links, reviewing the podcast, or you can get a training program for yourself at strengthrunning.com slash coaching. My number one goal is to elevate your running, so don't ever hesitate to reach out to me through the Strength Running website, or you can message me on Instagram at Jason Fitz one We'll be in touch. 